Welcome here, everybody. My name is Scott. This is Elisa. Um, this is going to be an interesting morning because um, talking about stuff that is um, the kind of stuff that I'm usually pretty broken up about. Um, the title of today's presentation is God's Relentless Pursuit of His Rebellious Children. And so this is <clears throat> the story of us and you and also uh, a people group called the Uyghurs. And so um, before I start, I don't want to do a sermon within a sermon or anything like that, but just seeing Greg standing up here this morning and hearing Rob talk about <clears throat> how two years ago we came here and walked over from um, the meadows um, reminded me of, of a night when we were at a like a vision night here. There was still like a line of of tills here. Were you there? Was it Greg or was it Tony? I don't know. Somebody was standing on the on the whole. It was you? And like elevated up from the rest of us, but it was like where the tellers used to give out the money and it was, he was standing there and playing guitar and it was all empty and it looked very different. The lighting, it was in the evening. And we just had this vision of what could be. You know, it was like maybe. Wouldn't that be cool kind of thing? And we, we were worshiping and we were walking around there was a circle of chairs and praying. Guys, God did it. He brought us here. And yeah, it's been, man. Guys, when I came here like eight years ago or whatever, there, um, um, most of you probably remember that we're here then, that I I couldn't even stand. Like I, I had this injury and I couldn't even stand. I, I mostly lay in the back and I mostly cried. I just like... Not just a little bit of crying either. It was just kind of like weeping the whole Sunday. And, and then to, sometimes it got so hard, I just I, there was whole months where I didn't come to church because I just was so much in pain and kind of upset that I was in pain and, and all that. <laughs> We're going to get to this yet here soon. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, I just want to just really quickly paint a picture that God is... God is moving us forward, and, and I just wanted to just remind you of, of all that. Um, okay, uh, we're not going to talk about what's happening in Ukraine, sorry. It's not even going to be a little bit of it. Um, but just on the other side of the, the Black Sea, so there's this big in, inbound sea um, right below Ukraine, and there's another country there called Turkey, and we're going there in like a week and a half, March 8th, so part of this is us sharing a little bit about that, saying why, um, and also maybe even like helping you see that this is something that God is doing through Calvary. Um, so why are we going to pass it over? Okay, so in Genesis 12, God calls Abraham to Abram to leave and I'm not going to go through the whole story, but if you can just have the story of Abram and who is called Abraham later in your mind as we talk. Um, so he, he did some things right. He he obeyed God and he left for the new country. But he did a lot of things wrong on the way. He kept lying about his wife and um, and, and he did some things right. He he offered Lot to pick, you know, when, when it was crowded, he offered Lot to pick the land, and, and Lot picked the best land, and it seems like Abraham let that happen very graciously. And um, 
then when God gave him the promise of a son, then he kind of messed up again and, you know, took things into his own hands and um, used Hagar. You know, we, we know this story. Um, and, and we think of Abraham as a mighty man of faith and righteous and all of that. But if you actually look at all the details, there's, there's a lot of stuff in there that he got wrong, right? And um, so if you can just think about that story as we're sharing, this isn't a sermon, it's not expository, it's a testimony of what God has done in our lives. And um, I guess the thing about listening to missionary stories is it's very easy to, to think, wow, that, you know, they, they went, they did that, they're doing that, I could never do that. Um, so we've gotten some things right, like God has asked us to go, we went. Um, God, you know, but we have screwed up so many times or misinterpreted what he was asking us to do. And so if you just keep that in your minds, like we, um, we and other missionaries are just like you. We hear the Lord and we sometimes get it right. And a lot of times we don't get it right. So, um, so that's Genesis 12 to 22. (laughs) That's kind of, um, our starting point for this morning. Yeah, I am. Um, A year ago, we bought a new house last February and immediately wondered, why did we do that? We were really struggling with it and losing sleep. Uh, So we asked a friend to to pray for us. She did, and also sent us this prophetic message that she'd heard. Um, It was in the form of a video, and I'm just going to repeat it. Today I'm loosening tent pegs. Today I'm shifting you. Today I'm calling for geographic, relational, and emotional relocations. Not a move for moving's sake, but to shift so you can be rightly planted, so you can have a fresh flourishing and a fresh remit to impact more significantly. Cue next slide. Oh, yeah. There's my family. We have Lauren, Ezra, Avery, Cyrus, and Grace, some of which are here this morning. (laughs) Um, Let's see if if this works. We're going to do it the old-fashioned way. Okay, there. So there's a word there called remit, which is the area of activity to which which someone is expected to deal with or which they have an authority to deal with. Okay, I'll re- repeat that sentence. Um, today I'm, I'm calling for relocations, not a move for moving's sake, but to shift so you can be rightly planted, so you can have a fresh flourishing and a fresh remit to impact more significantly. So we're just moving a couple miles, right? It's not a, really a big deal. Our kids aren't even changing schools. We're going from Beaver Crescent to Jefferson Street here in Steinbeck. But we become so settled in that house. We were surprised at ourselves at how hard it was to let, to let go of that. Um, especially after all the moving we've done in our lives. Um, But that message really helped us. It assured us that God was doing something. Aslan on the move kind of feeling. Um. So this picture of of the house on fire um, being what (laughs) sends the balloon up. I I found this picture um, the week that we sold, that we bought the new house. And um, it really, really spoke to me. Um, and it just really reminded me that it, well, actually the caption that came with that picture um, said sometimes you need to, we don't have the caption, hey? Sometimes you need to, the only way to get to the new place is to burn down the thing you love. 
um, or to the next place you need to be, something like that. So that was actually the day that we got the notice that our um, financing had gone through. I, I got this picture in the morning. And then, so this all was just like God showing us, giving us peace, um, and, and allowing us, helping us to let go. So, and actually, interestingly enough, this week when we were working on what do we want to share, the artist reposted this picture again. So, I don't know. So that was, that was March. We sold, we bought a new house and sold our house. Then in April, we were at on an online version of the North American Uyghur consultation. So for those of you who don't know, uh, we lived in Northwest China for four years. And we're not going to go, that's a whole story. We're not going to go. But we just want to show you a few pictures that we took during our time there. Um, just so you can get a little glimpse of what life was like. And we'll just give you a little bit of details about the Uyghurs. I'm going to try to control this. Maybe I need to move closer to the thing. I don't know. We'll see. There we go. That's how you spell Uyghurs. I don't know if, if you knew that. When I said Uyghurs, you maybe pictured something else. But that's how you spell their name. And uh, so I'm going to show you some pictures that I took during our four years there. I'm just going to quickly go through them. We're not going to say too much. Maybe, Lisa, you could just say a few things as I'm going through them. But let's see if this works. Okay, so there's about 15 million Uyghur people, and they live in northwest China. That's their homeland. Um, they traditionally are oasis-dwelling farmers and merchants. Um, we actually heard an interesting lecture once that um, before Islam entered that area, the Uyghurs were actually well-known and respected Christians. Um, so they have once been the children of God. Somewhere along the way, Islam took over. And now, actually, there's a saying that to be Uyghur is to be Muslim. So just take a look. This is what it's like to be some of the few white people in an area. Very colorful, lots of wonderful music and dancing and community living and artisan. Like, it's just gorgeous. That's what Scott looks like without a beard. <laughs> She's a really sweet language helper. She recorded through most of Genesis with me in Uyghur. So I don't know where she is now, but she has God's word in her heart. They just make these wonderful feasts when you come over. And then you think, what would it be like if they knew Jesus? Like, they're pretty awesome, but they're lost. If only they knew Jesus. So that's just a tiny bit of our history. It's actually was just four years of our lives, but we had hoped it would be decades. Um, um, and then about five years ago, uh, we started hearing 
really disturbing reports of what was happening there. Um, I'm not going to go into it, but I would ask you to... Uh, oh, there's supposed to be a thing there between that said uh, Google Uyghurs. Uh, and uh, so we just encourage you to do that. This guy here, uh, his name is, he's just a basketball, just, he's a basketball player, and his name is Enes Kanter. He's, a, he's actually Turkish. Um, one day he was hanging out, doing like this press junket thing or whatever, and um, a parent of one of the kids came up and asked him, how can you call yourselves a human rights advocate? You know, you talk about human rights and stuff, but you, but like, there's these people in China, and it's called the Uyghurs, and you should, you should like learn about them. So he he just went home. He went to his hotel room. He locked himself in. He, he took his iPhone out and Googled Uyghurs. He spent the whole night just reading articles, um, like this one, or this one, or this one. And there's no shortage, so we encourage you to do that yourselves. Um, but it's a really, really bad situation. Um, and I'm surprised I'm actually not even crying right now. That's just God's grace. I, last two weeks, I was at a, at a place in Arizona where we're helping new missionaries head out to the field. And one of the things that we do is every morning we, we pray for a different people group. The morning when I was supposed to, you know, lead the prayer for the, for the Uyghurs, you know, I, I can't even say a word. Like, I'm just, like, the whole time just crying, just, like, on the floor sobbing. And, and that's often the way it is when I try to talk about the Uyghurs. But um, I have grace for that this morning. Thankful. Um, yeah. I'll skip over that. Oh, well, yeah, so, so that Ennis Cantor guy, is there another picture of him? He, um, he started wearing these shoes, he asked this, he found, he said, I need to talk to, like, a Uyghur that was actually there. So he, he found um, this lady, and I've actually, I, I knew her, I, I talked to her too. And as a result of her testimony, she'd escaped a camp, like a concentration camp. And he started wearing shoes like these ones um, to his basketball games, and he didn't take them off when they told him to. Uh, and so now he's actually lost his job. They've let him go. Um, but he's been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize, so there's that. That's interesting. Um, so going back to last April, I'm jumping the gun here. Um, every year in April, there's a meeting of people um, who really care about the Uyghurs. That's what Lisa was talking about. And we always attend. In one session about the, the current situation that I'm just talking to you about, we heard this thing. Um, somebody said, all hands on deck. Uh, one of the men actually said, if you care about the Uyghurs, if you can speak Uyghur, which we do, now is the time to find your station. Alongside that, we heard a clear invitation from those who are attending from Istanbul to come. There's just so much to be done, they said. Okay, um, so that was April. And in May, we had our Salt and Light International Gathering. And again, all these things are online now, so we can go, right? Um, and so if Calvary Church is your church, these things are still online. You can go listen. This was such an amazing conference, the Salt and Light International Gathering. Um, and so I'm going to read some of the words that came out of that conference. And please listen. These are for you, too, because you're, you're part of this church. Are you ready to give up the family life for the sake of the family? It's ready to be expanded. 
cast your staff before Pharaoh. The Lord is bringing us to a place where we're called to cast down our staff in public places. God will release a new wave of generosity among you and add new nations to your field. Resist the older brother spirit. He only wanted to stay in his father's house and preserve the inheritance. But in God's kingdom, the inheritance that is given away is never lost. Now is the time to go to people, not to wait for them to come to us. Okay, so February, we, God called us to move house. And we heard, I'm shifting you for a fresh flourishing and a greater impact. In April, we heard, all hands on deck. In May, we heard, now is the time to go. Okay, 20 years ago, if we would have heard these kinds of things, we would have already been there. We would have, we'd be like, yeah, we got to go. Um, now it's a little different. Um, we do want to go, but we feel like for the sake of our family, we need to step out a little more cautiously than we have in the past. So this trip that we're taking is a trip to see if we can even start thinking about whether we should be going to Turkey. So we don't know what the result is going to be of this trip. Our jobs are really vague to our kids. Both, both Scott and I work for our mission organization. Uh, if you want to know which one, there's cards in the back, but we're just not going to say it here. Um, and everything we do in our work is for the purpose of inviting Muslims to follow Jesus. Okay, but actually what that looks like is writing emails and Zoom meetings and tracking, I track relief and evangelism projects and read reports and Scott builds websites and he designs graphics, right? Like, and we're also just in our offices all the time. So we both work in this, like, turning gears and pulling levers and um, we really believe that it's a part of it. But for our kids, it's really big, right? So um, this, this trip is going to be a full color live view of what we do and why we do it for them and for us because we've been in our offices for 10 years now we haven't been out so and we're actually hoping that this will be a full color view for some of you too um yeah if we could inspire some of you uh if coming back the stories um the pictures the images that we bring um uh would inspire would inspire some of you to throw down your staff and see how the Lord might direct you to pick it up again. That would be really cool. Um, what we all do, um, anybody who goes this way, um, to especially like the areas of the world um, where the, the ratio of people who follow Jesus is, what we, we try to find these places where the ratio of people who follows Jesus is like two or maybe one or maybe none per million who follow um, who follow Jesus uh, and rather follow Muhammad. Um, and I just want you to, to picture for a moment uh, Manitoba being a place like that. Um, and if it were, uh, maybe you, maybe your friend were the believers, uh, then there would be not one other person saved in Steinbeck, uh, not one in Brandon, no one saved in Portage, no one saved even in Winkler, no one saved in Winnipeg, only you, maybe your friend, and anyone from from Churchill to Emerson that would want to be saved would have to find you, unless there's a missionary. That missionary at the right time, sometimes after years of perseverance, will be like a, like a guided missile, guided by the Holy Spirit, to anyone who is sick of sin and looking for a Savior. Istanbul, where we're going next week, um, could arguably be called the least saved city on planet Earth, 
20 plus million unsaved souls living there. We are particularly focused on the Uyghurs who have uh, fled persecution in China and have settled there in that city. Um, so we called this presentation God's Relentless Pursuit of His Rebellious Children. And yes, the Uyghurs are his rebellious children, but I am too. <laughs> as soon as I make my peace with God, I turn around and rebel again. Um, and you better believe that even when I was a missionary in China, I was, I was still rebellious. Um, that, you know, like, yeah, okay, I had, I had followed his call, like Abraham followed God's call, but then, you know, like, something comes up and I just lose faith or, you know, try it a different way or get discouraged or whatever, right? So, but he, he he's always been relentlessing, relentlessly pursuing me and somehow using me to pursue other rebellious children, right? It's, it's kind of amazing. Um, and lately, we just this week, we've been watching these videos of God behind bars. It's some, um, like, uh, churches in prisons, and there's just been some real revival, and, like, you know, 300 prisoners getting together for church services, and we're going to show a little video. Hopefully it works. Um, I'm just going to describe it, because it's really short, so you'll know what you're watching. Um, it starts off, they're singing, they're singing, Oh, How He Loves Us, and, and the leader is telling them, like, okay, I want the guys in the back to sing first, and then... Sometimes worship leaders like to do that, you know? Ladies, guys, you know? (laughs) Um, Yeah, just watch it. Like, we've just been watching these videos and weeping. Guys, God is pursuing you. I don't know what your dysfunction is or whatever is going on in your life, but God is after you. And he's after the Uyghurs who were, like, you know, maybe... I'm not good at math, but 1,200 years now since they, like, as a people, kind of turned their back on him, he's pursuing them. He's, like, he's finding ways to get people there, to, to tell them, to, to go after them. And uh, so, yeah, just, just a little visceral image of, of what it looks like when God goes after people in a, in a prison. Maybe? No! This one. Is there something there? No. Oh, man. You're just going to have to look at the JPEG. Okay, so it's like, it's a big group. Like, this, it'll pan, it pans, and these guys, like, they're in prison. Some of these guys are in prison for life, so you can imagine what they did, right? And they are just, and then we watched it again this morning briefly, and I was like, you know what, this just so looks like foolishness to the world, right? Like these tough guys who have done all kinds of stuff, they're just, they're just singing their hearts out, oh, how he loves us, over and over. I, you probably know that song, right? It's just so beautiful. <sighs> and these guys are literally in prison, right? There's Uyghurs that are also literally in prison right now. And But how many of us are in, like, a figurative prison of our own making, right? And... Oh, how he loves us. Yeah. So I'm reading this book right now <coughs> called Scandalous Grace. Actually, the title of this presentation came from it. Um, it's by Preston Sprinkle. I have a book club member in here. I don't know if she, she's reading it already or not. Um, so just listen to this. Grace is God's aggressive pursuit of and stubborn delight in freakishly foul people. And since we all stood or stand guilty in God's courtroom, homeschooling moms, porn stars, 
Awana champions. I think you were an Awana champion. Suicide bombers. We all urgently need the same stuff that rearranged Jeffrey Dahmer's soul. We all need grace. And Jeffrey Dahmer is kind of one of the worst people, right? Committed horrendous acts. And he gave his life to Jesus in prison also and just really found freedom. The good news, this is still from the book, the good news isn't God helps those who help themselves. The good news is, this is good news, you're wicked, your life's a mess, and only God can fix it. God helps those who realize they can't help themselves. A ways back here, there was a passage. I'm going to try to get there. No missionary can leave this unsaid. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So, I'm not going to get into all the things that other people say better than me and have in their heads better, but there is still a lot of going to be done. And this isn't something that all of you are going to do, but this is something that corporately that we do and that you all have a chance to participate in as we go. And maybe some of you here will actually like physically go to some of these nations and teach them too. Um, yeah. So there was this other slide, this one, yeah. So we would like to ask you to participate in our journey. Um, and we got some stuff over there at the Welcome Center if you, if you want to be a part of this. So we've got our prayer card with our family picture. You can pray for us. Put it on your fridge and pray for us every time you go get milk or mayonnaise. Um, we would love that. <laughs> you can sign up for our email updates, that same prayer card. Actually, I took, brought a picture, so. I could hold it up while I did this. Oh, well. Oh, there it is. Okay, on the back, we have a ton of information. Um, you can email me or you can even scan. Scott, the web developer graphic design guy, has a QR code you can scan to sign up for our email. Or you can just text or email as well, just to say. And, um, and then you can hear about what our work is. Um, did you have my phone number on there? You can text me right now with your email address, and then it's done. And you don't have to worry about picking up a card on your way out. So there you go. That's my number. And just say, hey, this is who I am, and here's my email. Um, we also have a little card. Oh, tape. Um, if you want to learn more about the Uyghurs and pray for the Uyghurs, um, this is a card that Scott used to, he used to all go around wearing a Uyghur hat. And when people would ask him, what's that hat, he'd give this card. It says, why am I wearing this hat? And on the back, it's got a little uh, information thing. You don't, wear, you don't wear your hat today. But you can pick up a card. Um, That's just so you know how to spell it. So like I said, yeah. Google Uyghurs. You might go home like, and you know how, how do I spell, spell it. That's, that. just, so that's just for yeah. that. Um, we are also still short $3,000 for this trip if you want to participate that way. And then again, how to Did give. you tell the story about how that no, happened? Oh, okay. We're also really feeling, Rob made reference to some stuff we've been facing, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that yet too, but 
we're feeling like we need some extra prayer covering. Um, so I think we're going to make a WhatsApp group to give more regular updates just for this month. Um, and then we'll see what happens after that. So um, let us know if you want to be part of that. And I think we'll post an invitation on the prayer chat too um, this week before we go. Uh, but yeah, we would Some people we, would we know have a prayer group on WhatsApp set up like that, and I think it's a good idea. I think we need it. Um, yeah, even these last two weeks that we were at candidate school, man, like a lot of stuff happened, and so we just want a lot of people praying for us. Yeah, so please um, be a part of this. Uh, we know that not everybody can go, right? If everybody went, then who would send? We need people to send. So please send us. Um, be a part of this. And just open your heart to how God, like, how can God move you to be a part of it, like, going with other people or going yourselves or, you know, this is just something we need to be involved in. Oh, this is me. Um, yeah, so this is a complicated time to plan a trip. Like, there's things happening over that little ocean there, and there was, when we bought the tickets, they were saying you shouldn't travel, and, and it was just all sorts of things. But... But we just, like, keep looking at each other and say, like, this is still where God is calling us to go, and we keep going. Um, it's like leading a community group this this year. It was like, we just sense that, you know, even though it's kind of tough to gather people and all these unknowns, we just keep going. And like, last week we had 12 people, and it was, like, really good. So um, I'm off script here again. Uh, so... You know, this isn't just a thing that we're doing. We're doing this with that whole big family. So there's seven people going to the other side of the world. Um, and in, like in October, we're like, how do we fundraise for this? It's going to cost like a lot of money. Uh, and then, so we made some plans to fundraise. Oh, let's have this and that. And then just these obstacles start coming. Like in December, I broke my finger, uh, which turned out to be so bad I had to like put a pin in it and a traction splint. And twice a week, I'm in Winnipeg and... and all December and January. Um, then I had kidney stones, uh, just a bunch of things happening, and we didn't even get a Christmas letter out until January and February. Okay, just I want to back up again. Ten years ago, we were just home from China. It was supposed to be six months, then we would go back. Um, in retrospect, God brought us back to Canada and closed the doors to leave again. Um, and that's a very long story, but the short story is Scott injured himself, which he talked about a little bit before. It turned into a five-year chronic pain journey, some of which he was bedridden, some of which he was able to work part-time. Um, and then and then if he ever made it to church with us, he would just lay in the back. He couldn't sit up. It was, it was a tough time. Um, but the point is that for, for a long time, we would try things, and the doors would be closed. Things just wouldn't work out. We'd like, oh, this would be really good. We, oh, there's Uyghurs in Vancouver. Maybe we should move to Vancouver. No. You know, like, just, okay, we should maybe do this. No. Um, and it just happened so much that we kind of got used to it and started expecting that the answer was always going to be no. Like, if we had an idea and tried it out, it wouldn't work. So that's actually why buying the house, we were so shocked that our, our, our offer got ex accepted. We were just like, well, let's put in an offer and see what the Lord does. It's going to be no. Um, and we were okay with that, right? That, that's, we kind of gotten used to that. Um. So when all this stuff is happening, I think partly we're thinking that if, if we're kept from fundraising, then I guess we won't go, and that's that. But before Christmas, we had some donations come in specifically for our trip, before we'd even like let people know about it. And so like this 
trip, which we figured out about $23,000, suddenly we had like 85% of that come in, like boom, in like in this two-week period, uh, before we even like tried to raise that money. And it's just like the doors have just been like, boom, open there. Um, so we'll see. Um, <laughs> it looks like we might actually go. We have to like stay healthy. Yeah. But, yeah. I feel like unless we're on the plane, it's still kind of like, well. We'll see. Uh, one more story. Um, when, when the church is open that Sunday and you guys can look around, please go look at the upper room, the prayer room. This is a very special place. It's actually the fulfillment of a very specific dream that God gave Scott 10 years before that prayer room existed. Um, and a group of us spent some months praying up there during the renovation of this building. Well, that was a very ugly room still. But we were there every morning. Weren't we there every morning? Some of us were there every morning for, for all of that renovation time. It was, it was very, very special. Um, anyway, so after the terrible December and January, and Scott was going to February, to, to Arizona in February for two weeks, and we work together, so when he's gone, that's a lot of my work that kind of gets put on hold. So two weeks of less work, I was, I was going to be in the prayer room a few times a week. Just, I wanted some solitude, you know, the kids have been around a lot, and I just wanted to seek the Lord and have some solitude and be up in the prayer room. And then some more stuff started happening. Our son totaled our van uh, at the beginning of the first week, so I couldn't actually leave my house. Apparently I'm not hmm. talking it anyway. Um, and then I've, I finally got a vehicle through MPI, a rental. So I was like, okay, the same day I got a rental vehicle, I tore my ACL. So then I'm not getting out of the house again. <laughs> and uh, there was just, you know, the second week I finally actually had a sudden toothache and had to go see my dentist in Winnipeg for an emergency appointment. And I finally got some solitude in this nice rental van. It was very nice. It had a heated steering wheel and heated seats. And <laughs> I was listening to music and the Lord really met me. Um, and he actually gave me an unknown song onto my playlist that um, I really felt was for a friend of mine. And then when I texted her about it, um, the song was really great, but then we started looking into the, the lyrics, or like it had sort of a, a weird reference to like a Greek story, a Greek mythology story, and we started looking into it, and it really impacted us how closely, it, like how much it was meant for her. So I, that was just really awesome. I, like, I wanted to do all the like pray and seek the Lord, and then he just shut that down, and he still met me. Like, it's really nothing I, you know, there's no, there's nothing I can do. It's all God. And uh, I, I just think he's, he's saying this over and over. I, like, I wanted to have two really special weeks of seeking the Lord. Mostly I lay in bed and read my blind date with a book that I got from the library, right? And it wasn't even that great of a book. But God still met me, and... He spoke to me and my friend through that song, and I really love it when he speaks like that. And just like that, I think our time is up. So I think that we're going to um, invite Rob 